This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode of This Week in HPC is brought to you by DDN, delivering faster insights with flexible storage solutions. DDN, intelligent infrastructure for a changing world. Visit ddn.com. HPC responds to COVID-19. Intersect 360 Research adjusts forecast downward. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader of HPC Wire. Tiffany, this is our 300th episode of This Week in HPC. We've been doing this for a while, and I appreciate your partnership and distribution. We've got good news and bad news in the podcast this week as we look at the continuing ongoing effects of the global COVID-19 pandemic. We're going to get to the bad news later, which is a revised forecast from our very own company. But let's look at the good news first, because HPC or supercomputing in general is one of the key ways that our industry is fighting back against the global pandemic. Last episode on This Week in HPC, I talked to Carlo Cavazzoni, who's been on the front lines in Italy and Italian supercomputing with Cineca and a European consortium there. This week in HPC, some of the American resources are getting together with a DOE announcement backed by IBM and major cloud vendors with a consortium to rally resources for supercomputing in the U.S. First of all, let's hand it to the HPC community for this forceful response to the, the threat of COVID-19. We, we're seeing so many efforts joining in the fight against uh, the coronavirus with more efforts coming out every day. The most recent big one coming from the U.S. this week uh, from the, the, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, OSTP, along with the U.S. Department of Energy and IBM and, and this broad coalition that they've announced that will use America's supercomputing resources and the fight against the, the, the pandemic with the launch of the COVID-19 High Performance Computing Consortium. And they are inviting researchers to submit topic proposals to the consortium via the online portal, which is hosted by Exceed, part of the NSF, which is also involved. And the, the portal site is exceed.org, www.exceed.org forward slash COVID-19 dash HPC dash consortium and there's no dash in the COVID-19 it's just one sort of one word and they will match the proposer with resources uh, and they will be assisted with this this panel of top scientists and computing researchers who will also assist in the coordination as well. And this consortium puts together a lot of DOE resources and NSF resources that we'd be familiar with in U.S. supercomputing circles, the press release stated that they have 16 systems plus the cloud vendors that are all lined up to donate cycles to this effort. I think it's gone beyond that. I think since this, uh, in the days since this consortium was announced, much like the spread of the novel coronavirus itself, this has been evolving on a day-to-day basis with more and more resources getting added to this effort. HPE is now joined together with IBM as part of the consortium, although the, the portal is, of course, hosted by IBM, and IBM is the prime vendor on a lot of the, the uh, primary DOE resources right now through Coral 2. But we counted 26 distinct supercomputers that are now uh, DOE or, or NSF supercomputers as part of this effort. And and I think that might even be undercounting a little bit. That's right. Yeah, so we, there, we counted 26, and they span 
uh, the DOE, the other big DOE labs that include Summit, you know, which is currently uh, the publicly ranked number one system in the world. So there's uh, systems from uh, and there's NSF systems, including Frontier at TAC, which is the number one academic system in the world right now. RPI uh, has a system, MIT, IBM is, uh, which, as you mentioned, is uh, hosting the project website. They are contributing an internal system. Um, all of these systems from uh, NASA as well uh, will be are on here, and then the, the cloud providers and HPE has also uh, joined in this. I think um, you know more, more to come, uh, more details are still being filled in. So yeah, there's all these partners, all the labs, Argon and Lawrence Livermore and Los Alamos and Oak Ridge and Sandia. And then on the academic side, you have MIT, Rensselaer, University of Chicago, Northwestern University. And like you said, more and more groups and organizations will be joining this. Uh, you know, I, we, we had a call with uh, some of the lab staff and Paul DeBar this week, the Undersecretary of Energy for Science. And he said that they are, they're, they're prioritizing COVID-19 research at, at all of these sites. Their current plan is to reallocate or to allocate the current resources that they have. But, you know, more resources are coming online that have already gone gone through that procurement process. So I didn't get a specific answer on how they are managing the allocation, but you know, with a lot of these machines, there's a, a pretty significant portion that's left for discretionary work. You know, oftentimes it'll be 80-20. I know that's the case with the Frontier System at TAC. So 20% um, of those resources are already available for discretionary work. And I'm sure most, if not all of them, will be, you know, devoted and dedicated to to this uh to this effort. John Russell points out in his article summarizing this consortium on HPC Wire that DOE and other agencies already have uh, predominant life sciences programs uh, through, say, National Cancer Institute with the Candle program, the Adam program at Lawrence Livermore National Labs. Some of these involve public-private partnerships. Life sciences or biosciences has been a major area of HPC research. So we're we're not starting from nothing. And uh, in in some of the discussions we've had, even on Twitter, people were asking how does supercomputing get used in fighting a global pandemic like this. A lot of the, the discussion, for example, like I had with Carlo Cavazzoni of Cineca last week, was focused on drug discovery, but we've also got things like how AI could be used to model the spread of an epidemic through a population. Uh, we're talking a lot about molecular modeling and target reduction. Um, we saw an article uh, just through CNN this week about how the Summit supercomputer was being used to uh, do target reduction and identify uh, pr uh, proteins or chemicals that could be used in uh, in the battle against COVID-19. Yeah, all of those things, um, studying the spread of disease, mo modeling the healthcare resources, we're seeing a lot with drug discovery as the project you just referenced, which was on the Summit su Supercomputer. Uh, they found... They searched 8,000 compounds of interest and narrowed that down to 77 promising small drug compounds, which is, you know, great to narrow that down. And then, you know, currently these efforts are, these drug discovery efforts are focused on 10,000 approved drugs out of a subset of 250 million uh, potential ones. Um, actually, it's higher than that, but that's that's also a narrowed down subset. Um, you know, they're obviously focusing on the approved drugs first because they've they've already past the safety hurdle. So if, if they show promise, they, you know, they can have an accelerated uh, process to, to come out to, to help people.
Right, faster time to market if we can uh, find out that one of the ones we already have in the jar is going to be effective against the COVID-19 pandemic. And then these aren't even the only initiatives that we've seen. Folding at Home, Rosetta at Home, all have projects going in this space. Yeah, so th- this is really a perfect perfect workload for those those two projects, Rosetta at Home and Folding at Home, these distributed volunteer computing projects that scavenge and hard, har- harvest cycles from a volunteer army of computers um, process these types of workloads. And there's been a tremendous response from all over the world, people coming to donate cycles and to form teams um, to to compute for the, the cause. And, you know, these, as a result, these, these efforts, I, I think, um, have been racing to reinforce their back end and add servers and make sure they keep that pipeline of work stocked so that all the, the computers can, um, you know, uh, help process the workloads. And I know Rosetta at Home has seen its active user base double just since in the last month or so, since early February. So the last month, month and a half, they've seen their active user base double and unfolding at home, the response have, has been massive. And we just saw that, you know, through the power of their distributed computers that they've broken the, the exascale. They've, they've amassed an aggregate exas, uh, exaflop of, of compute power. So yeah, um, it's great, great to see this response. Which doesn't necessarily make it exascale computing, but to have an aggregate exaflop of contributed cycles is a lot. Then we also mentioned that the cl- major cloud vendors in this space, AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud uh, Platform are all part of this initiative. So one thing that I'm glad to see from our industry is that computational chemists and epidemiologists should have no shortage of compute cycles. Now, you you can put all these supercomputing cycles out there. That still doesn't mean all of the the research gets done immediately. I'm never a fan of headlines that say the supercomputer found this solution. I, the researcher found the solution using the supercomputer. That's a tool. We can provide these better tools to our scientists and uh, hopefully uh, at least remove that hurdle at, at getting to some solutions faster. Now, that's the upside of what's going on. Also, this week in HPC Intersect 360 Research, uh, we've adjusted our forecast downward for 2020 for the HPC industry as a direct result of this COVID-19 pandemic. It's pretty clear that the economy is seeing some level of hit. We had originally forecast that 2019 to 2020 this year would represent about 7% growth year over year. Uh, We're now saying we're going to fall significantly short of that from 6% to 17% short of that, meaning that from from 2019 to 2020, We'll be now looking at a a flat market to, uh, at the best case, to a 12% decline at the worst case with a midpoint range guidance to clients right now of a 6% drop year over year. That would end 10 straight growth years for high-performance computing. Mm, isn't that something? So, And your survey showed that uh, not all segments would be impacted equally, could you say? Our analysis is that is segment by segment in this case, and we started with vertical markets. Uh, the high-performance computing markets growth has been driven in large part by commercial vertical markets over the the last uh, decade, and that's where we're going to see the brunt of it. And interestingly enough, public sector research should be somewhat buoyed by a lot of the investments that we're seeing at a national level. Even academic research gets a, a, a bit of a lift from some of these major initiatives, and uh, and we won't see as much of a deviation from forecast in the public sector. 
Biosciences, like I was saying, similarly with the investment in pharmaceuticals is somewhat shielded. But when we go to other commercial vertical markets, uh, we're going to see a larger effect. Some of the worst hit are going to be automotive and aerospace engineering. If they get hit both on the supply side and on the demand side. You look at people not flying, not buying cars, and, but then also on the supply side, factories getting shut down, both because you have people not coming to work and because a lot of the supply chain has been going through other parts of the world like China that have seen a major effect. Media and entertainment will take a big hit. Electronics will take a big hit. The EDA space and then oil and gas was already suffering from falling oil prices. And this will only exacerbate that situation. So we started with that vertical market analysis and we we, uh, gave a range of guidance for where the market's going. And then we translated that into other segmentations across products and services, uh, regions. And again, we see that the effects uh, across segments will be a little bit different segment to segment. Do you think ultimately the revenue would just be lost or potentially moved moved further into the future? I think, you know, it depends on how where we are in that range and how long it takes for things to come back around. A lot of times when we see budget pressure in HPC and you have to take a bit of a haircut in the budget, uh, people will move to protect staffing and operations first. And even when we'll say, all right, well, we're still going to do that procurement or that upgrade, that it can get pushed out in time. Well, if you delay a lot of projects, some of them fall out of one calendar year and into the next. So if we get a minor effect, I think a lot of that will come back in a future year. But if, if, if we really see a deleterious effect throughout the worldwide economy, then some of the revenue is just going to wind up being lost. So we've given this range of guidance right now. It'll be our goal to narrow that range to a more specific number by the time we wrap up 2019 and publish a revised five-year forecast. That'll be coming to clients soon. We typically complete those numbers in toward the end of April every year, but we didn't want to wait another month to get out this pre-announced guidance for COVID-19 because it was pretty clear that we're going to miss the original forecast as a result of the pandemic. That just goes beyond our forecast capabilities to to look at things like war and famine and, in this case, disease. Uh, that just wasn't part of the forecast methodology, but it's reality now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we, we had actually chatted earlier about how this could be a boon for cloud. And, and I mentioned the preference for OPEX over CAPEX in times of un- economic un- uncertainty uncertainty or, or downturn. But you had some other uh, interesting analysis on, on why cloud could benefit here. Yeah, when we look at the product and services segments, it's going to be servers or the systems themselves that are hardest hit because that tends to be CapEx and it's the largest portion of expense that I can defer an acquisition in order to protect operations. Cloud, which is a much smaller part of the HPC market and we already had as a high growth rate, will actually come up in our forecast as a result. Cloud computing is something that tends to do well in times of uncertainty or volatility because you can use it on both ends. 
Uh, if you have a sudden increase in demand, for example, in the public sector and biosciences, you're doing research around this particular thing that suddenly become urgent, cloud can absorb that kind of demand. At the other extreme, I've deferred uh, an expenditure for a new system or an upgrade. I, I need some, some capacity for, for ongoing work, but I've deferred the procurement. Again, cloud can pick some of that up. So we already saw a high growth rate in cloud. That's going up substantially in our forecast for 2020, also as a direct result of the pandemic. Not enough to save the market, of course. This is big growth on a smaller part of the market. But as as servers and storage get deferred or canceled, cloud will will come up in response. And that's part of the guidance we're giving our clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with the disruption and the uncertainty from the pandemic, your forecast for 2020 is somewhere, as you said, between flat to 12% down. Uh, but I think you, you show the 2019 ending on, ending on a steady note. Right. Part of what we've done here is we, we already had our annual budget survey in the field with end users. And first of all, that data coming back in has affirmed that we're on target for 2019. That was a little too early to have seen the pandemic significantly affect the market. We're going to complete the supply side analysis as well to really finish that number, but we have no reason to change our 2019 guidance at that at this time. Um, and then also as part of that survey, we were able to uh, additionally ask the respondents to that whether they were seeing effects in their budget as a direct result of the pandemic. And we captured some comments around that also. The analysis of that data is partly what guided our our analysis to uh, to reduce the forecast for 2020. We had the demand side research in there as well. So that would be available in the current report? Yes, that's part of the current report. And that's up on our website now. Press release is out and, uh, and it's already out to clients. We will be releasing a full set of 2019 market numbers and uh, revised five-year forecast to clients soon. All right. That's what I was going to ask. You just answered it. So thank you. All right. Well, thanks, <laughs> Tiffany. And, I, you know, it's it's never fun to give bad news in the industry, and uh, but but we try to measure the, the, the industry accurately. It's not really our job to be a cheerleader as much as it is to be a, a trail guide and tell people where the opportunities are in HPC. So, we're all trying to ride through this, uh, but uh, but it's our job also to measure it as best we can. We'll continue to do so. All right, Tiffany. Well, thanks for joining me for the 300th episode of This Week in HPC. The market's going to continue to change, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.